Hello, lovely ladies, and welcome to Zion's Company of Women podcast. I'm Lana. And I'm Courtney. And it's wonderful to have you with us today. Hello, my friend, Courtney. Good. I always go to say good morning. It's fine. <laughs> I can translate. Good, good morning to you. Good afternoon over here. Yes. So, um, so happy to be back with you and just wrapping this final season. Um, I don't, I, I love the Shulamite. So, you know, I, I feel like she's always with us no matter how far we go. I feel like I'm walking with her, you know, just that the understanding of being the bride and, and who she is and who we are. So, um, she's always there, but I have just really enjoyed this, this whole series that we've done. It's been beautiful, hasn't it? And now we're going to be adventurous today, aren't we? <laughs> we're we going to dive into the last two, the last two chapters in one episode. So ladies, don't expect us to go through every verse. <laughs> no, no. We would be here for like three or four hours if we did that. And it would be great, but that's not today. So, But I'm excited too, my friend, like you said. I think no matter what, even in spaces where you and I have sat and we've taught out of the Song of Songs, like, we we finish and then we go into something else and we continue with her don't we mm-hmm. and with mm-hmm. the revelation of the bride and yeah it's just it's beautiful it's beautiful it is, it is. and after this we have something exciting coming up don't we it's going to be good yes yeah. it is and be you sure see- to keep mm-hmm. be sure to keep checking back because um we have we have a lot of surprises coming up actually so can't we wait do. to get into season two It'll be great Oh, it's so much fun. All right, I have coffee in hand. My children don't sound like they are destroying the house. So that's good. And little Bella is quiet. She's asleep. So I think we're. Oh, hallelujah. All right. Uh, Well, let's dig in because we do have two chapters to get through, although chapter seven isn't as long as some of the other ones, but we're you know, really wrapping up kind of this culmination of the joining of the bride and the bridegroom king in Song of Songs chapter seven and Song of Songs chapter eight. And, uh, you know, we've watched her mature, Lana. We've watched her go from uh, very reluctant in the beginning, you know, very uncomfortable with herself, uh, really struggling with things like unworthiness and fear and, um, you know, we've seen her tell him no and say, nope, I'm not going to come away with you right now. Maybe another time, maybe later. And then now as we get into chapters seven and eight, you see this absolutely. And I, I hate to say transformed again, because we've said that countless times, but there's no other way to describe what's happened to her in these two chapters, seeing the beauty and the strength and the maturity and the awareness and the awakening that she carries, not only for herself now, but now for others, as she um, talks to others about the Lord and who he is and her relationship with him, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, So I would just like to, to jump in if it's okay. Um, Chapter seven, I really want to start with verses two to three, because these are the ones that stick out to me the most through everything Mm -hmm. that we've talked about um, with mothers and fathers of the faith, 
stepping up into taking their place right now um, in the awakening and the body of Christ that's happening. I just think it's so poignant and so powerful. Um, so verses two to three in chapter seven, it says out of this is Jesus speaking, by the way, he says out of your innermost being is flowing the fullness of my spirit, never failing to satisfy within your womb. There is a birthing of harvest wheat they are the sons and daughters nurtured by the purity you impart. How gracious you have become. Let's stop there and we'll unpack that together. <laughs> There's just something so powerful. I could feel Holy Spirit kind of washing over me as I was reading those, those verses there, Lana. Just this absolute picture of what has happened within her that now from the inner parts of her being is flowing the fullness of his spirit. That's that fullness of the Holy Spirit um, flowing from within here, never failing to satisfy her and ap apparently never failing to satisfy others as well, because then it goes on to say like within her womb, there's this birthing of harvest wheat. So mm -hmm. hello, harvest time, yeah. hello, harvest of souls, <laughs> children, sons, daughters, all of that's wonderful. Yeah. They are the sons and daughters nurtured by the purity you impart. And Lana, you are one that carries purity at a level that is um, inspiring. It's brilliant. It's pure. And so I really want to hear what you think about these verses. If I can put you on the spot like that, <laughs> first off, I really want to hear what you think about this, especially because he's basically, he's calling her a mother at this point. You know, he's calling her out because that's, a mother has sons and daughters. So I'm just so curious as to what this verse means to you or what it, what it says to you. Yeah, that's, that's really beautiful. And it, I love that you jumped on these because these are um, two of the verses uh, that just, they're some of my favorites in this chapter. Um, mm -hmm. I really look at this um, and without kind of e like echoing what you've just said, but um, I, I see her journey. I can't look at verse two and three without looking at where she's been and I, I look at this um, journey and I now read this and I, and I think, wow, so there's such a heavy emphasis here on purity and on the harvest and the refreshment that flows from her. And what I hear here, Courtney, is um, part of my life story because mm -hmm. if you have asked me 10 years ago, what does purity look like? I would have told you that purity equals perfection. Purity only flows where perfection flows. So if you aren't living, trying to attain a certain level of perfection, then that's not purity. Now, we know that is absolutely not the truth right? We know in scripture that it says the pure in heart shall see God. It's those that look for him everywhere. It's a heart posture. And as I look at this, um, these scriptures, I it, it actually makes me quite emotional because I see this journey that she's been on. And I see that she has been conquered by love time and time again. And the work of purity oh, really moves my heart within her is not... Um, is not something that she has done. It's a fruit of her surrender. And it's a fruit of this place where she has, even in the moments where she said, no, go away, like I can't take it right now, even in those moments where he has come and he's continued to wash over her and he's continued to love her to life and conquer her by love and 
refine her and bring her into this place of maturity. Now we can read scriptures that say sons and daughters are going to be nurtured by the purity that you impart. That has come from the place of communion with him. It's come from that place of yieldedness where she has found him time and time again. And this yes has been developed in her heart that says, you know, there is no one greater. Like I am fully devoted to you. And so this really speaks to me because purity comes out of my my intimacy with him. It comes out of my devotion. It comes out of my place of surrender to him. And then it's his purity that's flowing through me. Like it's his spirit, his fullness that then flows through me to then see others receive from the purity of who Christ is. And I, I'm so overwhelmed by these scriptures because I, I see here what a privilege um, we have been given, Courtney, as, as daughters of God, as women, as the bride of Christ, you know, sons and daughters, to live in this place of communion with him and to see our innermost being like out of you, we know Jesus has says, you know, like out of you will flow living waters, like all of those scriptures, like we're actually invited into this place where he flows through us and we become a fountain of refreshment to others and we become um, these ones who are wearing the, the shoes of the gospel. And you know what I mean? Like I just I'm yeah. so struck by the purity here that has come from not the place of perfection. It's come from the place of process and yielding and communion with him, but also then to see, wow, like now he positions her to now minister. And isn't that just like our journey? We walk through process and then the very process that we've walked, God then begins to use that to minister to others. So, yeah, th these just undo my heart like <laughs> I can I can totally agree with that in every possible way I started to get a little teary there too just thinking about you know in verse two out of your innermost being is flowing the fullness of my spirit never failing to satisfy just that that promise where it's like where is disappointment in that verse yeah. it's nowhere to be found you know yeah. because if he's there mm -hmm. We have him, we have I am, we have everything that we we will need. Um, I just I love that and I love that he's calling out within her that that he sees her like this, that this is now is really is who she is. Not only has he just been speaking this over her, but she has really embraced it at this point. You know, she's really taken hold of that and taken that in and and it it to receive it is to yield in so many ways. Um and and out of that, I love that you talked about uh perfection that you used to think that perfection was purity was perfection. Um, and I guess in a way it is, but it's not our perfection that it's dependent upon. It's upon, it's dependent upon his perfection, which has been achieved, you know, yeah. and, and now our purity process, like you said, is walking with him. It's the yielding. It's that place of intimacy with him. And it's, mm -hmm. that is so, uh, man, my friend, that is beautiful and it's so powerful and it's so true. Um, I feel like I could sit on, sit, sit there with that for a really long time. Um, mm. But he, you said, a, you said a word earlier, you said um, refreshing, I think was the word that you said. And it's even in verse four, he goes on to say, your revelation eyes are pure. 
like pools of refreshing, sparkling light for a multitude. Um, such discernment surrounds you, protecting you from the enemy's advance. And I love that he's talking about her eyes here because we, we began kind of this series talking here and there about filters, the things mm -hmm. that that kind of junk up or gunk up our way of seeing, seeing out and seeing inwardly as well. Um, and he's talking to that here. He's saying that her eyes are pu they're pure now. Mm -hmm. She has seen him in the fullness of who he is. And mm -hmm. so now she's able to see him in the beauty of who he is as Jesus. But now she's also able to see herself and others in that way as well. And the result mm -hmm. of that is discernment that's surrounding mm -hmm. her, that she's able to see what's of him and what's not of him. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love that he says in verse five, redeeming crown, excuse me, redeeming love crowns you as royalty. Your thoughts are full of life, wisdom, and virtue. Even a king is held captive by your beauty. Um, there's so much here about our thought life that yes. uh, I think that that's just something the Lord's just been screaming, you know, over me lately. I'm like, I'm hearing you. <laughs> help me to <laughs> help. <laughs> but. I just think that's so important, especially when it comes to our walking with him and our, our transforming, our changing, and uh, the way that we allow that to shift how we see. Yes, I love that. And I love that even like a few of these verses, like verse two and three, then we go to the one you just read, like there is a, a very heavy emphasis on that purity. And I really, um, when I read it, I remembered that um, somewhere else, I should have written down where in the Song of Songs it is, but um, he says that she has dove's eyes. And that had always struck me for a very long time. And I was listening to a message by um, my beautiful friend, Catherine Ruanala, uh, quite a, a few years ago now. And she was sharing about dove's eyes and she was saying how doves can only look at what's in front of them they have is it peripheral they don't have peripheral vision they they can only see what is in front of them and she was talking about the shulamite and that place of focus like the lord saying you have dove's eyes that look only to me like it, there's that focus upon the beloved and when i look at this like your revelation eyes are pure i keep i i kept thinking of that and then I thought I might just have a look at what Brian has to say um, in the sacred journey. And he actually says her dove's eyes have now become pools of refreshing. Now, ladies, get this. The Hebrew text is actually like the pools of Heshbon. And so these pools were known as some of the cleanest pools in the land. The city of Heshbon was the royal city of the Amorite king. The bride's vision and revelation in the spirit are pure and now her insights can be trusted. The words she speaks to others are timely and refreshing, no longer like muddy pools. Her discernment has been cleansed of the flesh. Her spirit vision is a reservoir of revelation. Oh, and when I read those words, her spiritual vision is a reservoir of revelation. Like now she's in this place where she has matured, there's boldness, and she's coming into almost like a governing place. And that governing place is now, like you said, Courtney, our filters so they, they affect so much of how we prophesy, how we live life, how we govern with the Lord. And now the Lord has, has really brought her through this process where he has um, 
really um, cleansed her of the flesh and, you know, taught her about all of these wonderful things on the journey. Hey, here you are in purity. That is my purity flowing through you. And now you govern with me um, in this place where you're almost like your your judgments. I think I read something that Brian wrote here. Let me just check. Yeah, she will make her judgments based on the love revelation of the bridegroom that he gives her, not from a heart of impurity. And mm -hmm. I thought, wow, that is just beautiful because as she has yielded to that process of the Lord washing her and cleansing her, healing her, delivering her, cleaning her filter, he's brought her to the place of purity, which is who she is. It's part of who she is because it's of him living inside her. Now as she ministers to others, she ministers from a place of purity because of that, that cleansing and that, yeah, that, that place of partnering with him and consecration to really see the fullness flow through her. And, and those moments, Courtney, where I read things like this, it makes me thankful for the fire and that process that God leads us through where at times you go, I feel like I'm dying, this is so hard. But then you come out the other side and you're like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I just, I know we have enough scripture in Song of Songs 7 and 8 to get through, but there's a verse in here that's just screaming at me that I, from Psalm that I, the Psalms that I really want to read um, because I, it's, I feel like it's tracking right along with what you're saying here. Um, in, in verse five, he says, even a King is held captive by your beauty. And when I had read that originally, I jotted down Psalm 4510 because it had reminded me of a verse that's in Psalm 4510, where it says, listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear, forget your own people also and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. Mm -hmm. And in the footnotes of my Bible, it says forget means more than leaving parents as in Genesis 2 24, the bride of a king was often from another nation. And so she had to break with her own culture to marry just as mm -hmm. Christians now must forsake marriage to worldly things in order to be part of the bride of Christ. So there is a process in, in this for us as we um, let go of the things, the things that used to define us, the identity that used to define us, there is a letting go. And that is a, you know, at times a breaking away of some things. Um, I always, I like to see it as kind of an unbinding because it's, it, that's a, that's a lot less, <laughs> I feel like it's a lot, it's a more positive and accurate way of seeing what that feels like at times where it's like he's untethering you from things that are not yours. And now, you know, what we see here, the result of that, like if you can stay in that place mm -hmm. and you can just remind yourself that he is faithful to take you from A to B, then the, res the result and the reward of sitting with him every day is that that innermost being will flow with his spirit. I think it's in Proverbs where it talks about like wisdom is saying, like, if you look for me every day, yeah. you're going to find me. And that's going to bring just like countless uh, treasure and wisdom that will that will flow through you. So it is a process, Lana. You're right. It is very much a process of sometimes it feels kind of like dying. <laughs> I don't want that to sound like super negative, but there are some things that need to be let go of at times and that's okay because mm -hmm. we're letting go to behold, we're letting go to embrace what's new. And 
seeing what happens to her here out of her now sons and daughters nurtured by this purity. Like if you're going through something, if you're letting go of something, hang in there because what's coming out of you is not just for you. Like what will be planted inside of you and what will the fruit that will come from this process is not just for you. That's why there's battles. That's why it's intense is because the enemy can see and perceive at times far more than we can. The fruit that's about to come from you, the things that it's, that you are about to birth are not just about you and your immediate surroundings. You are in the kingdom. And so what comes out of you will, will birth into the kingdom. And that is not just a singular thing. It carries with it the power of conception and um, multiplication from there. So just a word of, of encouragement there to, if it feels like hell, just keep going, <laughs> keep sitting <laughs> and we're going to get to the other side. Um, the Shulamite is a written testimony of what that, what that is and what that looks like, because then he drops down in verse seven and he says, you stand in victory above the rest stately and secure as you share with me your vineyard of love. Now I decree, I will ascend and arise and I will take hold of you with my power, possessing every part of my fruitful bride. Your love I will drink as wine and your words will be mine. Mm -hmm. That part I have underlined and boxed and circled and starred in mm -hmm. lots of different places. Um, I feel like that is really like how kind, but how weighty when yeah. we realize like this is something the Lord is saying to us that he will take hold of us with his power. He's going to possess every part of his fruitful bride. He, our love he drinks as wine Ooh. and our words will be his. That is a, that is, that is a weightiness, Lana. There is a, um, you know how you talk about, uh, Kurt Landry says that Selah means like to pause and to consider. Yeah. That's one of those for me. Yeah. Yeah. That and I love, oh, sorry, go. No, 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 you go. <laughs> we have a little bit of a lag, ladies. So if I'm like jumping in, it's because my, my internet is uh, having a little bit of a hissy fit right now. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that because, and I love, um, that you've really jumped on that because I think that those words there, like your love I will drink as wine and your words will be mine, like doesn't that bring you into a place of wonder but also it brings me into this place of the fear of the Lord as well in the place where I am carrying his heart and he is flowing through me. So even as I prophesy, like, these aren't just words that I am like, oh, that sounds like a good word I might kind of write up today and shoot out to people in the body of Christ and hope they're encouraged. Like, no, 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 it's this place where you realise, hang on a sec, like I'm carrying the words of the one who created the heavens and the earth, like the one who spoke the very words and the whole everything was created. Um, and I think that just those verses speak to me of awe, like just wonder, like, like you said, that pause and reflect, like, wow, like what, a, again, I'm going to say it, what a privilege, you know, that we have been given 
in our place of invitation through the death and resurrection of Christ. Yes, we've been given eternal life. We're forgiven. We're righteous. What a gift. Thank you, Jesus. But it doesn't just stop there. Like I have life in Christ. I get to carry his heart, his words, and, and his nature flowing through me. You know, my, my life to be a testimony to the goodness and the love of Christ and to release his words into the earth, that's transformatory. And that's something that I think, you know, let us never um, become familiar um, mm-hmm. in that place. Um, But I want to look at just quickly jump down to verse 10. It says, now I know that I am for my beloved and all his desires are fulfilled in me. And when I was reading it, my eyes fell at the uh, footnotes in my Bible and it says the Shulamite now knows that she was created for her beloved. And then it says, comma, to complete him. Like, oh, Hang on, oh. what? Oh. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Honest, ladies, like the first time I read that, I went, hang on a sec. Like, what? What? And then I kept reading and it says, she is his soulmate. The Hebrew word for beloved is formed from the word yad, which means hand. So it means beloved or hand in hand. And again, like I am just... Oh, every part of me reverberates with just wonder and thankfulness. Like you ladies were created for him to complete him. Like think about that for a moment. Like you are his soulmate, that level of intimacy. I can't even sit here today and I don't have enough English words to articulate the depth to which I feel Um the level of intimacy that and oneness we have been invited into in Christ, that is our positional inheritance. As you sit here today and you listen to Courtney and I, you know, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are one with him. You were created for that place of oneness and it's not dependent upon your, um, you know, can you tell that's my part of my life message, right? Because it's what God freed me from. It's not this I have to do all this like the oneness comes because of what he did for you and now you're you've been created to live in that place of intimacy but as I read that and I read those words you were created for her beloved to complete him my goodness Courtney doesn't that shout the place of vulnerability of the king where in that place of intimacy and as I minister to him how I move his heart or how I, how I can delight the heart of my king. Like, yes, he conquers me with his love over and over and over again. But And we've seen it as we've journeyed through the Song of Songs, but my worship, my prayer, like my yes to him, my whispers in the day, I love you, Jesus, what that does to his heart, like, wow. So I just I wanted to really just jump on that for a moment because I think, it's really important that we really remember at the end of the day, like, what am I here for? You were created for the beloved. You were created for intimacy with him and that the world may know him, to know God and make him known. Just wow, 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 wow. Wow, wow. I love wow. that on it. And I, 
I feel like there's so many things I'm thinking about right now that I'm trying to kind of process through because I feel like my brain is trying to catch up with what you just poured out for us because I don't think I don't think I ever stopped to consider how he feels when I about me when I worship until I read this book and we talked about that in the previous chapters but even hearing it like that again you know from that place of like that completion place it makes so so many things that he's said make even more sense you know that he's coming back for the bride why would he come back for the bride well because that's his reward that's his the other that's the part that that's the hand in hand part um that yeah. is that's absolutely beautiful and i just and i feel like i'm kind of speechless honestly just hearing some of that laid out things that are clicking and i think that it's it's probably going to be doing a similar thing in the hearts of so many people that are listening to this now um that is there's a real weightiness on that 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 hand in hand that soulmate that seeing ourselves from the place of that we fill a part of his heart that is only meant for us. There are places in him that only we are designed to go because he loves every one of us. Um, yeah, yeah, that's weighty in, in, in the most beautiful way. Um, I just want to say, Courtney, just before you go on, I have to share this just very quickly because it, what you just said, when I read the, the little notes on that scripture, um, and then when you were talking just then, I thought, I'll just look at what Brian says. And he says this, Jesus lies awake at night. That's a, that's a picture, like imagine this. Jesus lies awake at night thinking about his bride. The thoughts that he has towards you are more than could be numbered. And just when I read that, it just so locked into what you were just saying, that there's a place where you minister to his heart and just picture that you know that Jesus is you know like he's just constantly thinking about his bride like that is such a just a beautiful picture and and that just brings this place of if the enemy ever comes to you and tells you you have no value and that you know you're not loved or all those lies like think about that like he's so longing for his bride like that's his reward he's coming back for his bride so anyway sorry Courtney I just thought that was very cool keep going (laughs) no and I think it's you know when we think about the cross he went to the cross he did the things that he did yes because he was obedient yes but we have to remember the agony that he endured was not for no reason like there was a reason why he did those things and yes obedience was part of it but it was also for the joy set before him um you know, for him and the father, but also because he knew the reward of what was coming. He knew what he was saving. He knew what he was redeeming and calling unto himself. So, you know, we can't never, ever let that go out of our sight as well. Like Holy Spirit, help us to remember that um, in the days to come. She goes on to say, if you remember in the chapter before, she's like, oh, I want to go see Um, if the people are awake, where does she say, she says something along the lines of like, let's go see. Um, she, she's talking about wanting to go see where, where others are in their whole journey. And then there's that interesting verse where she says, and then immediately he transported her up with him almost as though it was him saying, Oh no, not yet. We're not going to look, we're not going to look out here just yet. We still have some stuff to do inward here, but she does. She says it again, only this time they do. So she says, um, 
in verse 12, she says, let us arise and run to the vineyards of your people and see if the budding vines of love are now in full bloom. We will discover if their passion is awakened. Um, but I want to jump up real fast because this ties in with verse nine. So I'm taking you backward a little bit. Um, Jesus is talking here and he says, he says of the Shulamite, he says, for your kisses are love of love, excuse me, are exhilarating more than any delight I've known before. Your kisses of love awaken even the lips of sleeping ones. So don't ever forget what words of love do for people. It may seem simple. It may not seem like that big of a deal, but when you speak love and you love someone, you are actually causing part of them to awaken Mm. to the father, to the love of Jesus. Um, and then, okay, so we're going back down now. Let's go back, back down to, to verse 12 where she says, let's go. Um, let's go see. I want to see if their passion is awakened. And mm. she says, there I will display my love for you. Uh, let's see. The rarest of fruits are found at our doors. The new as well as the old. I have stored them for you, my lover friend, which is probably one of my favorite phrases mm. lover friend that she <laughs> so i love that i love that jesus calls us his friend but there's such a passion in here that is only fitting for lover friend and then she continues on and she says um if only i could show everyone now we're in chapter eight i'm sorry if only i could show everyone this passionate desire i have for you if only i could express it fully no matter who was watching me without shame or embarrassment that's a shift for her, isn't it? Yes. Quite wow. a shift from the one, the one that we saw earlier. She says in verse two, I long to bring you to my innermost chamber, this holy sanctuary you have formed within me. Oh, that I might carry you within me. I would give you the spiced wine of my love, this full cup of bliss that we share. We would drink our full until excuse me, we would drink our fill until, and then she goes on to, she, then she addresses the brides and she says, promise me brides to be that you'll not disturb my love until he's ready to arise. I love the picture of rest that is coming throughout these mm -hmm. verses here. She has embraced the fact that she is one that is made to awaken people with love. Mm -hmm. You know, he has said that I, I will take hold of you with my power. Your words will be my words. Um, she goes on to say, you know, your kisses, or he says, your kisses of love awaken the, the sleeping ones. And now she's ready to go out. So now she's coming to this place where she's ready to step out now that she has received who she is fully. Um, and I just love that she's come to this place in verse eight, where she's like, if only I could express it fully, no matter who was watching me without shame or embarrassment, that's love and devotion that's that audience of one. That's the dove eyes that you were talking about. Like I'm only looking at this one and who cares what everyone else, because it, it, she says without shame or embarrassment. So that's not even a question anymore. Like that's not even on the table for her. And I don't, I don't think I've fully arrived. Let, let's just be honest. I don't think I've fully arrived at that yet. I'm working on that. <laughs> we're getting, I'm letting the Lord love me into that <laughs> <laughs> but I love this. I love just, she's fully sold. She's, mm. she's all in. 
And, and the way that she describes this, um, you know, she understands that her love carries with it, that power to awaken people. And she's letting, she's let go of that shame and embarrassment, um, that she might have felt in the past because now she's just completely and totally consumed with them. And, um, Mm. this to me is, um, that's the, that's the hallmark of being well-loved. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful, Courtney. And and everything you're sharing, I can hear the boldness of her love now. Like there's there's nothing in what you have just read, what I've read as I've gone through this, that communicates I'm I'm gonna hide. Like there is this boldness of like just ministering to others and you know, being that place of refreshment. And I, I love that because it, it's a testimony, like you said, to what happens when we allow him to love us and we we yield to that process. And it's just beautiful because if you look at the Song of Songs, I think we see so many of these chapters is the Lord is drawing her and he's drawing her and he's wooing her. And now this shift has come and she's drawing others and she's like wooing other or like he is wooing others through her. And there's this intercession that's happening and there's this place of overflow. Like it's just the Lord is amazing the way that he He works in our lives. And it. I, I just have to, I've got to jump on this because it's just, it's shouting at me. But as we read in um, verse 10, like you're created for the beloved and then Courtney, you just read through, uh, that was in, sorry, chapter seven. Then you just read through into verse eight, uh, sorry, chapter eight. I want to look at verse five. This is one of my favorite verses ever, right? We know <laughs> verse really well who is this one she arises out of her desert clinging to her beloved and I'll keep going Uh, when I awakened you under the apple tree (coughs) excuse me as you were feasting upon me I wakened I awakened your innermost being with the travail of birth as you longed for more of me and I've looked at this and I have seen here is the Shulamite who is coming up out of the desert, like out of the wilderness, and she is leaning on her beloved. So she's come through this journey where she has endured. (laughs) She has had the highs. She's had the lows. She's had the fears. She's had the shame. She's had these incredible moments of encounter. And here she comes uh, kind of at the end of that process, arising up out of the wilderness. And what is the one thing that shouts out of this verse? oneness like it, it it just who is this one she arises out of the wilderness it doesn't say gently holding onto her beloved the world <laughs> and Courtney every time I read this oh again I get so emotional reading this because as her journey as she's gone through as she's journeyed the fear and the compromises and you know the um, hardships that she went through when when uh, the the lord was gone and then you know the what like she encountered all the religious and all the stuff that happened like now she comes up out of the wilderness and i hear this shouting of oneness from the Lord's heart there is such a depth in this verse and there is a simplicity as well that I see in this scripture that in all the stuff in all the process in all of the journey the one thing that that matters most is the oneness that I have with him 
like in every part of my story, it is that place where he has pursued me for oneness. And from that oneness comes my healing, my freedom, my deliverance, all of those beautiful things. And I, I just, this moves my heart every time because I see the Shulamite has passed all, like the different tests. She's journeyed through the hard nights, but she didn't quit. She remained in the place where she remained faithful she looked for him and I just I I just don't have words like I just mm. I think the Lord places scripture in perfect places there's no mistake in the Bible there's no mistake in the word everything is where it needs to be and I find it so interesting that this scripture is in verse 8 uh, sorry in chapter 8 because to me it, it back through her journey and says look at the oneness like, look at his heart for oneness, but you were also created for oneness. Like, oh, anyone ask? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, can I can I keep going then? Like, fast on the heels of that. Let's just do verse six. He says, "Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore." This is one of my favorite verses. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all consuming as the very flashes of fire burning from the heart of God. And I want to stop here because down in the footnotes, it says the phrase in Hebrew is a, a most vehement flame and is actually two Hebrew words. The first is a mighty flash of fire. And the second is Yah, which is the sacred name of God himself. The Hebrew Let's see if I can say it. <laughs> shall Shalhebet Yah could be I'm sorry if for those of you that actually speak, forgive me. Could be translated the mighty flame of the Lord most passionate. Mm. The mighty flame of the Lord most passionate. Um, baptism of fire, Holy yeah. Spirit fire, filling her, completely filling her heart, sealing her. You know, this is to me, when I look at this, I'm like, this is Pentecost. Yeah. This is the absolute indwelling. This is the, the heart's desire of the father. How many times have we read through the Bible? I tried to look up how many verses where he says, and I will be their God and they will be my people and I mm -hmm. will live. I will dwell in their hearts. So I will write upon their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. Like that's the desire. And that's the design that we've been built with. That's been part of, like you said, those two becoming one, those two pieces becoming complete and, you know, connected with one another. Um, we are designed, we are designed to receive him. We are designed to, um, to be filled. We are designed to be his people. And I see that here just so, so strongly. I, and I love that fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. Um, as a prisoner of love, because prisoners of love, who's going to want to leave? Yeah. <laughs> there's freedom, you know, there's freedom to go, but, but love sustains, love keeps you. Um, mm. and I just love this. It's from the burning heart of God. And to me, that is just, um, what a way to see him. Yeah. You know, and let's contrast that a little bit if I can with, maybe a, a more religious way of seeing the father 
And then you see this actual picture of this Lord, most passionate, this fiery, you know, mm-hmm. love that's come to awaken his bride. Like that's, that's different. Yeah. That's very different. And it, and it's, you know, yeah, I'll just say it's different <laughs> in a good way. It's beautiful. Like the Lord is so passionate. He is so like the emotions of God. Oh my goodness. I could like, that's for another time, but you know, mm-hmm. like, the emotion of the Lord, like you see it in the Song of Songs, you see the words that are used in how he speaks over the Shulamite, the the ferociousness, the relentless pursuit of his heart. I I, I just, yeah, like it's exactly, it undoes you. Like he's not mm-hmm. just standing there going, oh, I'd love you to come away with me. Like <laughs> it's this this. <laughs> It's this like he, he craves this place of, of deep intimacy with us because it's like it, it's who he is. Like it's this place of he is love, you know. And, and as I read that, Courtney, they're some of my favorite scriptures as well. But I have to say when I used to read verse 6, I get to the end and I get really um, like, but, but how do I do it? Like it says place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. So like, what do I do? That's not, it doesn't say like, um, okay, Lord, you put it on me. It says place this fierce, unrelenting fire. So what do I do? And so I was in this like frustration for many, many years, just like, what does that look like? What does it actually mean? And then the Lord began to show me that it's this place of intimacy. It's the place of communing with him. And when I first read the sacred journey, uh, I opened it up to this chapter and Brian actually wrote, like, you know those moments where you read a book and you're like, oh, someone's about to, like, give me the answer to what I've been, like, seeking. This was that moment. He says, how do we place Jesus as a fiery seal of love over our hearts? And he writes this. It's simply, uh, sorry, it is simply by communing with him. As we place our hearts before him, we take him inside of us through divine fellowship and he covers our hearts with a wedding canopy of love. Scripture also says that this living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love, thus sealing us from our foes and locking us into him. He carries us. Now, I want you to listen to this, ladies. He carries us moment by moment over his heart. Now we must set him as our, uh, sorry, now we must set him as, let me try again. Now we must set him Oh, no, there's a typo in this book. I'm like, why can't I read this? Uh oh. (laughs) Now we must set him as a love seal over ours. And he Mm. then goes on to say that, um, you know, it's we're enabled by his borrowed life to minister to others. The anointing is our secret strength. With sealed arms, we can impart blessings and holy passion to others as we minister with Jesus. As the seal on our arms, we're preserved from burnout in ministry. Um, spiritual buoyancy characterizes our ministries when our arms are sealed in omnipotent love. Supernatural grace flows from the seal upon our arms. And just like reading those little things makes me, it just takes me even deeper into the meaning of what he's actually saying. And so again, I look at this and I go, this is verse six and verse seven, which came after verse five, which talks about here she comes out of Mm -hmm. the wilderness you know, and that place of oneness, like it, it just from that place, 
there's that cry in me that says, yes, Lord, like I will like, you know, I'll fasten you upon my heart as a seal forevermore. Like that, those verses don't come out of a place of striving. They are the overflow of a heart that has seen him and Mm -hmm. is absolutely. And it comes. Absolutely. And it comes with promise. Like let's, I'll just, I'm going to read us through and get us, get us through the next couple of verses here, or it says verse seven rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. That's a promise. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. There comes a point in our walk with the Lord when he asks us to give him things and it's a walk of trust where there's yielding. And, you know, I found he's extremely patient in that because there have been times where he's asked me to give him some big things and I have it has not been a nice conversation. It has not been a tidy conversation or even one that I would, you know, be very proud of. I have apologized to the Lord on countless occasions, but when you continue to do it and you walk with him and you continue to trust him in that place, you understand that what he asks you to yield to him is not because he's mean and nasty and he wants to take something away. It's no longer a sacrifice because you understand the truth of his nature and what it is that he's doing, that he's loving and he's kind. So it's not a sacrifice anymore. You understand that there's reward, there is blessing, there's fellowship or whatever protection, whatever it may be that's to come from that. Now that's a process I don't do it perfectly. You don't do it perfectly, but there's promise in here. Like I see that he's telling her, this is not even going to seem like a sacrifice anymore to you. I want to jump down to verse. Well, I guess it's eight to 10 in the passion translation, but it's down where um, the Shulamite is talking again. Um, She's talking about how she has now grown and become a bride. So previous to this, her brothers are saying like, ah, she's vulnerable. We're going to have to make a wall to put around her. So she's not out, you know, what are we going to do with her? Um, And now she, but she says, but now I have become a bride. Like she has stepped into this. Like I see her fully clothed. She is owning her position and what the Lord has done in her. She said, and my love for him has made me a tower of passion and contentment for my beloved. I am now a firm wall of protection for others, guarding them from harm. And this is my favorite part of this, Lana, because I think this is the culmination of all of these chapters. She says, this is how he sees me. So this whole time he's been speaking of her. This is how I see you. This is how I see you. And now she has received it turn and she speaks it back. And she says, this is how he sees me. I am the one who brings him bliss, finding favor in his eyes. My bridegroom King has a vineyard of love made from a multitude of followers. I am the one who brings him bliss, finding favor in his eyes. She knows that he loves her. Yeah. Like when you know, that you're someone's favorite person. That's special. Like that changes things. There's a, there's a, a a restedness that comes upon you when you are secure in the love that someone has for you. There is a peace that is allowed to come in that, Mm. um, it guards things, it protects things and it allows for a free flow of love back Mm. and forth between the two. But there's also a great space for identity to grow there. Um, is there anything that you want to say about those before we jump 
to the final? No, I, yeah, that was the only one I would have jumped on. Like just that yeah. moment where you can see that the conquering has happened, like, and the boldness. Like, I mm-hmm. know, I breathe. It's not an arrogance, right? It's a conviction. Like, this is the truth. I know. Oh, it's beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. I'll continue on. She says, his caretakers of this vineyard have given my beloved their best. So she, I believe here she's seeing the body of Christ, mm-hmm. that she sees the ones that have given him uh, their best. And in verse 12, she says, but as for my own vineyard of love, I give it all to you forever. And I will give double honor to those who serve my beloved and have watched over my soul. My beloved, one with me in my garden, how marvelous that my friends, the brides-to-be, now hear your voice in song. Let me now hear it again. And then it culminates here. This is their divine duet that um, I feel like he's been wanting to sing with her the whole time. I feel like there's been phrases that he's spoken throughout the whole thing. And if it's okay with you, Lana, I'll go ahead and read that last Mm -hmm. verse here, and then we can wrap um, so this is Jesus and the bride in divine duet at the same time. And they're both saying, arise, my darling, come quickly, my beloved, come and be the graceful gazelle with me. Come be like the dancing deer with me. We will dance in the high place of the sky. Yes. On the mountains of fragrant spice forever. We shall be united as one. The end. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> forever is one well I know we are about to wrap up and I really felt like excuse me I want to read you ladies this last um the very last page of the sacred journey because every time I read it it just there's just such a beautiful um anointing and presence of God that I feel that comes every time I read this and it really speaks out, it really, really speaks of verse 14, forever we shall be united as one. And uh, Courtney, would you mind praying after? I just really felt like a stirring for you to, if you wouldn't mind praying once we end. Um, all right, so this is what it says. And so the Song of Songs ends as it begins. That sentence just struck me as well. This time the bride is leaping and running with him. Her prayer has been answered. He drew her and now she runs after him. She is echoing the very words he once spoke to her to draw her to the mountains. Now her desire is fulfilled in him as they steal away together and run dancing together upon the mountaintops. She has said, I do to the king. What divine partners they make wooed and pursued, spinning, twirling, skipping together. It's a marriage made in heaven. They are bride and bridegroom forever. Like gazelles leaping in resurrection power, their love is as innocent as a spring morning, pure as a mountain spring. What joy they find together on the mountains of fragrant spice, Arm in arm, they join together in the ancient dance before the ancient of days. The Shulamite says, come away and skip again, O mighty king. Dance in the gladness of your heart. Leap over the mountains as you did when you swept my heart away. Just married. The mountains of fragrant spice 
are peaks of pleasure that we will experience together. Unspeakable happiness awaits us forever, forever, dancing together in unbroken communion in the high places of the sky. We too one day will skip with him, never to be separated again. I love you, my king. You are my lover friend. I will never let you go, never, forever we shall be united as one. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for walking us through the Song of Songs. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you that you have given us such a beautiful picture of who you are, your heart for us, the way that you pursue us, Lord, the way that you speak identity over us. You are beautiful in every way, and we give you all glory and all praise. And Lord, we pray for each, each heart that's listening. We ask that you would continue to speak your words of love and of identity. I thank you that you will continue to woo us into that place of fullness in you. Thank you that you have shown us what we mean to you. I pray your continual washing, Lord, over every heart that is thirsty for you. Thank you that you are so faithful and so kind. Thank you that you are the Lord most passionate. We love you, Jesus. We praise you and we honor you and we bless each person listening as they continue to go deeper and deeper into your word and into your love, that their time with you would be blessed, that the revelation that you speak over them would be absolutely received into their hearts and manifested into their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, lovely ladies, what a joy it has been to journey through the Song of Songs with you. I know Courtney's heart as well, and mine is that you have encountered him afresh and that your heart is burning more and more in love with Jesus and the delight that he has for you, conquered by love dear amazing beautiful uh, zion's company of women so we bless you thank you for joining us for this season we have a new uh, season starting and so it's going to be very exciting what the lord's going to do so keep your eyes and ears peeled <laughs> and we will uh, <laughs> we will see you again soon bless you We hope that this podcast has blessed you, and we have been blessed by bringing it to you today. If you would like to see more of what Zion's Company of Women is about, please check out our website, zionscompanyofwomen.com. We pray that your